Hey guys, I hope you're loving the Making Bank episodes. Please make sure you guys like and share these episodes as well as comment below for the guests. They love to come back and interact with you. And I really appreciate you watching and listening to Making Bank. So thank you. You are, you are listening to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. business. Welcome to Making Bank. I am Josh Felber, where we uncover the mindset and the success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business today. Excited for today's guest, Dan Cushell, Chandler Bolt, Josh Cantwell, Calvin Wayman, Mark Winters, Dr. Sean Stevenson, Hal Elrod. So Dan, tell me a little bit about what's the number one strategy from the 11 different companies you know, that you've uh, run and started and everything, the number one strategy for growing a business? Wow, that's a that's a great question. Is there just one? Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, Jim Rohn's quote, right? Your company will only grow to the extent you grow. Sure. Right. Um, is something to really take hold of. Now, my belief is that you can compartmentalize a company and personal into six categories each. And so, you know, as you're watching or listening, I encourage you to write these down. And I, I know through Josh's resources, you can go deeper with these. But in business, you've got uh, the ability to sell. So your ability to sell or influence. You've got marketing, right, right is the number two. Number three would be uh, productivity, right? Uh, number four would be emotional mastery or mindset. Number five would be leadership, right? And I'm, I'm missing one here. Uh, oh, and then six would be the ability to recruit or hire. Sure. Right. So, you know, the old Henry Ford quote from Think and Grow Rich, you know, when they were had him on trial and they said, you know, you're an ignorant man. You don't know your accounting. You don't know your sales. He said, well, I just push this red button on my desk and I can get all that information. I yep. don't need to know that myself. I just need to know who the expert is on my team that can help me get it. So it's not about us having to master those six, but it's us having the ability to have mastery in our companies of those six sure. and having the best talent, and the best capabilities around those six layers. Now, personally, I believe it's six key areas as well, mental, physical, social, spiritual, emotional, and financial. Right. And the first five, when you get mental, physical, social, spiritual, emotional in order, the financial has a tendency to take care of itself, right? Sure. And uh, so the, that would be a framework to think about. Uh, the other part, I, I think, Josh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of rambling here, but no, you, uh, there's a big um, misnomer. And I heard Joe first say this about 10 years ago. Uh, there's a big misnomer that there's people misunderstand that be, there's no correlation between being good and getting paid, right? Right. Because how many guys do we know, like in your, you know, doing what you're doing with your wife, with your health business, right? You know, your software company you had when you were younger, right? Or your your health business yep. in fitness, working with with clubs or trainers. How many great trainers and great exes did we meet that? They couldn't sell or market themselves out of a, a paper bag. They were sure. they, they were terrible, and I've been terrible. I've been more <laughs> terrible than I've been good, right? And I'm still working at it and getting better. Yes. But there's no correlation between being good at something and getting paid. So we're not in the business we're, we think we're in. We're in the marketing of the business we think we're in. So if there was one capability or one skill, I would say it would be to develop better marketing, which is really just storytelling or, or building around a story for what it is that you do and the great lie that we think marketing and selling is the same. Right. right. 
Yeah. Marketing is what we do to get people on the phone or face to face with us, right? Yes. So they're pre-positioned, pre-motivated, pre-qualified, pre-interested and ready to do business with us. And selling is what we do when we get those people <laughs> in front of us, right? Yes, yeah, sir. That's... Yeah. And so, you know, those are a couple couple key things there uh, that, that I think if I had to start all over again, I'd make sure to be honed in on those couple ideas. What are some of your daily habits? Uh, it sounds like, you know, you, you, you're pretty successful, you know, you're a successful guy and you, you're focused and you're moving yourself forward. Uh, what are some of those daily habits that have helped you um, move towards your success or become successful? Yeah, uh, so many. Uh, and, and it's funny that you hit on this because rituals for me are the biggest thing. If, there, if, if, my, if my strongest skill is work ethic, my strongest, my second strongest skill is discipline, uh, and I'm probably one of the the most disciplined people that you'll meet. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's just really ingrained. I, I feel like you have to have a methodical approach to success, and if you want to be sure. successful, it's not going to happen by accident. So for me personally, uh, everything changed when I started doing the Miracle Morning. This is yeah. by Hal Elrod, a book called The Miracle Morning. So it's a morning routine for me. Uh, it's a pretty intense routine that includes affirmation, a little bit of exercise. Uh, it includes reading, it includes, uh, gosh, a bunch of other stuff, gratitude journal, stuff like that. Uh, but that is the keystone for me. So if I'm waking cool. up early, um, which for me is six, that might not be early for some people. Um, it might be super early for other people. Yeah. Uh, but if I'm waking up at six and I've got my morning routine, I know that by the time the day starts, which my day starts, I start work just before eight o'clock. Uh, and by the time the day starts, it's already successful. No matter what happens the rest of the day, I'm good. Uh, and it all starts in that morning routine. And when I do that morning routine, my day is awesome. When I don't do that morning routine, my day usually sucks. So <laughs> it, it's all dependent on making sure that I start strong and, and be focused. And, and it's the difference between rolling over in bed and flicking on Facebook <laughs> or social media. And, and the next thing you know, it's 45 minutes later or right. being disciplined, getting out of bed and you know, grabbing a glass of water, doing some push-ups, throwing in like motivational tape in my ears or something. You know, some people might make fun of that. But I, I found that that actually gets me really pumped up and, and focused. And then that, that carries over into my day. Tell me, I guess, um, two business success strategies that have worked really well for you over the years. Yeah, yeah I think, Josh, you know, the number one thing that I would that, – that's probably made me successful – is being able to understand what I can say no to. Right, okay. Because I think when you're to a certain level of success, it's not whether you're going to have opportunity come across your desk. It's <laughs> you say yes to and what you say no to. And I think I've learned over the past couple of years especially to ask even more difficult questions, to ask even more insightful questions, not be so excited about every opportunity that comes across my desk, and not to spread myself too thin. Right. Uh, we just had this conversation with my team on Friday about what are we going to get rid of? What are we going to stop doing? Because I felt like my executive team was getting a little bit too thin and we were getting away from some of our core, right? Yeah. So that would be number one is what are you going to get rid of? What are you going to stop doing? Don't be so excited about jumping into anything. Focus on just one or two really cool and really important things that are impactful. Second business strategy for me, which is this is might sound very basic, but what I do in business has to uh, have balance and it has to work within my family structure. You know, when I, being an entrepreneur provides and creates 
pressures on a family, on a marriage, on kids, on family relationships that you just don't see in right. any part of the world. And I've learned, you know, I've been married for 10 years and my wife and I have had wild conversations about business and what works and what doesn't work. But for me, what works in my business has to work inside of my family. Sure. And I've learned some amazing lessons in the past couple of years that, you know, I think I was in survival mode coming out of recovering from cancer where I was just trying to make it back. Right. And when I made it back, it was about, oh, wow, look at me. I can <laughs> make it back. I can be successful at anything. And then it got to the point where, no, no, man, like, let's make sure that the opportunities that we select, they work for what I want to do with my health, what I want to do with my fitness. Does I, do, am I going to have time for that? Am I still going to be able to be the father and the, the husband that I want to be? And, and am I going to have the time to think and strategize and be with my team? I don't want to be in a business where I just have to hump it and grind it out for 10, 12, 15 hours a day to be successful. Right. I want to be in a business where I can think and deploy what I think is going to be uh, work well and it's got to work within my family structure or it does not work in business for me. Uh, definitely, dude. That's some awesome information. I mean, I think, we, we, like you said, we have so many opportunities that come across the desk. And even, you know, it's sometimes starting out as a new entrepreneur, you think, oh, I got to say yes to everything. Got to say yes to everything. And it feels like you have to. But, you know, setting that, those boundaries and those guidelines for yourself will help you become, hit that next level of success faster, I think, as yeah. well. So. And you know what, Josh? I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a funny story, a quick story. When, when I was recovering and I was coming back uh, from, from cancer, I was looking for you know, what I was going to do and I was looking and evaluating all different kinds of things. I was even thinking about getting out of the real estate business um, and looking at some other things. And you know, I was able to find and create one offer in my real estate publishing company that took our business from negative cash flow, bleeding, literally verge of bankruptcy, uh, one offer to switching that to a multi-million dollar, you know, four or five million dollars a year revenue business within two years with one offer. Wow. Because that offer spurned off an upsell, another upsell, a cross sell, and some other opportunities. So it wasn't really about how many different things I can create or how many different things I can chase to plug the hole, right, where all the money was sliding out the bottom. Sure of my life and my business, it was really about selecting one thing that I thought was congruent with who I was and what I wanted to do and what was good for my family and being passionate about that one offer and that one thing because we were passionate about it and we chased it and we chased it and we chased it. Uh, it, it literally helped me completely write the course of my financial life and create balance in my personal life, gave me a lot of confidence and it was really one thing. So I got rid of all the other 10 or 20 or 30 opportunities. I picked one. I chased it day and night for a couple of years. It completely changed my life for the future. And then it launched me into the private equity space as well. Well, so you, you busted through multiple comfort zones, barriers, things like that, and challenges that you've um, had. What, you know, maybe what are like two or three um, ways that you've found that have worked really successful for you? Um, like how to get myself to do it or, or to actually break through and do something that, that might be uncomfortable. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. So, uh, you've pushed yourself outside of your comfort zone many a times where yes. that seems to be the holdup of people taking action. 
because they yes. start to feel a little bit of that pain or they start to feel, oh, mm-hmm. I'm starting to diet and I'm hungry more often than not. And they just yeah. don't keep going with it. Yes. So there's, there's, uh, there's three main things that I, and I talk about in my book that I think is almost like cheating. If you get all three of these lined up, you will level up. You just freaking will. The first main principle that, that's worked for me is I call it you got to become a CIA agent. And I don't mean part of the Secret Service. It's just a plan <laughs> words. Consistent, imperfect action. Okay? So I think what gets caught up we, in our heads a lot is we think things have to be done pretty or perfect. Sloppy is better than nothing. You know? Right. Like, um, I used to struggle so much with my health, with, with exercising consistently. I would go to the gym. And then after a month or two, would, it, I'd fall off the wagon. And I realized that sloppy consistency is better than perfect spotly, like just here and there. And so I made a goal to – I was going to work out every day for 90 days. That was, that was the thing and that would have been massive for me. And the thing that I did is I, I focused on, you know what? I'm going to do it in home. Get rid of any of the of the distractions, and my goal was to push play on my DVD player. Super simple trick. <laughs> right. My whole goal for ninety days is, is to push play. It doesn't matter if, if I if I do the workout perfectly, if I do it sloppily, or if it's like if it doesn't matter how bad I do it, as long as I do it. Right. And when I did that, I developed that consistency, and now I've worked out two years in a row for every single day for two years. And that, I think, is the first key when, when it comes to doing something uncomfortable is know, give yourself permission to do it sloppily. There's the quote that if something's worth doing, it's worth doing well. I say screw that. If something's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. You know, right? And give yourself permission to just get in there and to mess up. Because if you mess up and you get into it, chances are when you do it a second time, you're going to get better. And you do it a third time, you're going to get better. Do it a fourth time, you're going to get better. So that's, that's big for me. That's what's helped me push out quite a bit is just deciding to do it and not having any attachment on what it looks like or what the outcome is. Just effing do it. Uh, so. No, and that's, that's, that's great. Is I mean, I think, like you said, we overcomplicate it. And, you know, it's uh, by simplifying it, and making it as simple as pressing play on your DVD player yeah. is yeah. that next step, that action. Yeah, and the other two things that really help the the, the I, I call it number three in the book. I don't want to go too deep into it, but it's like helping your mindset of successful people that are always there. And I have an acronym I call SWIM, okay. like the sharks. Um, it's how you view success, how you use your words because your words affect your psychology. Um, improve successful people are always improving and measure because you don't know if you're winning if you don't measure. Um, but the the one that I think is massive that we already touched on a little bit that has also helped me push outside my comfort zone in many ways, I say uh, get schooled. And what I mean by get schooled, since it's a book about called Fish Out of Water, right. just like fish, when they're in schools, they're moving in a similar direction, right? When I'm saying get schooled, get around other people that are moving in that direction that you want to go. Ah, uh, sure. And that has been so, so powerful. Like this – I'm running this 50-mile race, but what's really helped me is hanging out with a guy that does 100-mile races. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Every single year, he runs a freaking 100-mile race. He doesn't always finish, but having conversations with him is what helps me think the crazy idea, holy 
holy shit, maybe I can do that. Maybe right. I can do 50. I can do half of what you can do. And he's like 45, you know, or 50. And he's doing that. And I'm in my 20s. So I'd be like, okay, I, I have to believe <laughs> I can do that. So I think though, the t- highlighting those, those two can do it imperfectly, consistent, imperfect action. Right. And getting around other people that are doing it too or moving in a similar direction or are a mentor that has already done it is just like such a big way to push through that barrier when you're coming up against your comfort zone. You, you've bought and sold or shut down roughly over 10 different companies, right? Yeah, we're up <laughs> over 10 now. I either started it out, you know, bought it, shut it down, or, or sold it off to somebody else in all different types of industries and, and types of business models. Yeah. What, uh, you know, along the way, what was one of the, I guess, the biggest challenges that you ran into as an entrepreneur? Well, one of the things that, that I had to sort of learn the hard way was, and I guess I learned pretty fast, that you can't do it all by yourself, right? Right. And so it's, it's all about having a team of folks that are really good at the stuff that I'm not good at or don't, don't enjoy. So that was, that was a big uh, you know, learning and challenge to figure out how to attract those folks and, and get them engaged in, in the organization. And you know, another, another big breakthrough for me, Josh, was in the beginning, I was sort of flying by the seat of my pants. So I was, I was, you know, making decisions and, and, and choices and setting direction, uh, just really probably all over the place if I was to look back on it now. And, you know, somewhere along that path, I got exposed to the idea of using a system to run the company, you know, sort okay. of an operating system to run the business. And, and once I, I saw that and kind of grabbed a hold of that and began using that as the framework, if you will, for how to make those decisions and how to articulate, hey, this is where we're trying to go, what we're trying to do, that was a big accelerator for me. That, 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 and that was a, you know, sort of a saving tool for a lot of my team members because uh, that, that kept them away from the craziness that was probably going on inside my brain at, <laughs> at any given time. So with... Um I guess, how'd you kind of, I know, cause that's one of the biggest challenges I know we've seen in different businesses that I've owned and, uh, just people that I know is really creating that team and making sure you have the right people around you. Um, so kind of what's that, that magic key or that, that, that thing that you found in that process that's worked best for you? Yeah. So when it relates to the people and kind of bringing them in, I think a, a clear vision. So having a clear vision okay. for what you're trying to do and, and, and where you're trying to go, that's that's huge. And and I've had the experience of people being literally drawn to uh, whatever project it was that I was working on just because they they resonated with the feeling of it. So whether that was, you know, one of my first businesses was a cyber cafe. And, you know, I've owned a bicycle manufacturing <laughs> company, right? So, I mean, it's been all over the place. But there was something about it that people were like, oh, man, that's cool. I, I want to be a part of that. I literally... The, the, the cyber cafe, I was in a Kinko's okay. uh, working. Remember when they used to have the computer area where you could go right. and use software that maybe you couldn't use somewhere else? So I was using Adobe whatever to try and make some kind of a logo to make a sign. And this guy is working there, and he's the tech expert running the computer shop. And he's like looking over my shoulder, and he's kind of watching. <laughs> and he goes, what is that? What, what, is, what does that mean? What, what, is, what is that going to do? And I told him, he goes, oh, dude, I got to work for you. <laughs> I got, I got, I got to be a part of that. I mean, it was, it was like that. People kept coming. So, so I think that clear That's vision cool. of what you're trying to do is a big part. And then along with that, a, a clear set of core values. So I think you need to know 
you know, what kind of person you are and what kind of people you are in your in your business and be able to articulate that in a way, talk to people about that in a way that the people who are also like that, I mean, right. they're just drawn in. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm that. And the people who aren't, you know, they kind of look at you like you have two heads, which is great because that gets them away from us. And it saves, you know, both us and them a whole lot of wasted time and energy. No, that makes sense is definitely having a clear vision because, I mean, as entrepreneurs, we kind of are those visionaries, but our ideas are all over the place. And it's like, right. okay, how do we get those dialed in? How do we make those crystal clear so other people can resonate with that? And like you said, become attracted to what we are doing. And then definitely knowing who we are from a core value standpoint and what we stand for, what we won't stand for definitely makes sense because that way you can then attract those right people from what you're saying, correct? There you go. You got it. Awesome. Can give us a couple like action steps, you know, our, our entrepreneurs that are listening, you know, can take today to move their business forward in some way or another. Yeah. So, so for those that, uh, you know, that, that maybe have a pair or they're early on in the process of, of, of getting their integrator counterpart, you know, one of the most powerful rules that we have in there is, is to get on the same page. And so a key, uh, you know, component to be able to do that is, again, to get clear on your thinking, get clear on your thinking of, of what you need, what does, you know, for the entrepreneur, what does your freedom look like, if you will, and, and, and paint that picture. And so then when you begin to have that discussion, or if you're already partnered up, as you sit down with those discussions, you can really circle around that and, and be sure that it's clear and ask those questions. And once the pairs together, it's that same page rhythm. I mean, it's, it's so important and people kind of think, Oh, it sounds easy. Yeah, I talk to them all the time. Yeah. You know, we, uh, you know, surely we're on the same page, but what visionaries miss too often is the stuff that's crystal clear in their brain. Right. Nobody else gets <laughs> and and they really don't, right? You're right. And, and, and yeah. so, and, and but we skip over it. We're like, oh yeah, they know. That's that's so obvious. That's whatever. But just slow down. You know, take the time to ask. You know, so now I just told you something. You know, won't you play that back to me? And what they'll find is when that person plays it back, it's completely different than what they were thinking, right? So it gives right. you an opportunity to kind of come back in and, and and validate and make sure that you really are on the same page. So tell me a little bit about, I know uh, we've talked a lot over the last few six months, uh, whenever we've seen each other, something, what, what, I know you're really focused um, to help rid the world of insecurity. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about what, what we're doing, what you're doing there and, uh, you know, how that can really connect with our audience and everything. So to, to do that, let's first define what insecurity is. Sure. Um, insecurity is a feeling, it's not a person, it's a feeling that you're not enough, that you're not smart enough, wealthy enough, talented enough, tall enough, uh, skilled enough, whenever you feel like you're not enough and you are owning that, like I'm not enough, you are going through a space of insecurity and Josh, I believe everybody has insecurities. I think right, that right. Um, insecurity are like cancer cells. We all have cancer cells inside of our bodies. Some get activated and some don't. Right. And so we all have insecurities inside of us. Some of us activate that, them and live a very insecure life and some of us don't. And, and some of us might only activate them temporarily and then get conscious and say, wait a minute, this is not what I'm committed to. So what I'm doing on this planet is 
it's an education thing. You know, I, uh, I've been teaching for 22 years and I go on to podcasts and I go on to videos and I create messages that are, um, bite sized that people can spread virally on the internet. And any way I can get my, my message out there of what it takes to turn around those moments of insecurity and that you're not alone. I think that's the biggest thing is that we look at, you know, somebody watching this program, they could see you and be like, God, look at, look at Josh, look how many people he's interviewing, look how long he's been in business. He probably never has a bad day. He probably doesn't ever feel insecure with these guests. He probably doesn't ever feel insecure in his own business. He probably never feels insecure raising his children because you put your best foot forward on these programs. Right. And, and so therefore they assume that's who you are and they take your highlight reel and they compare it to their behind the scenes. And when you do that, you're going to be miserable. You're, you're never going to be able to compete with somebody's highlight reel if you're comparing it to your behind the scenes. Josh, I guarantee you, you have days where you doubt your abilities. Right. Oh, yeah. It just yeah. happens. It happens to the best of us. And if we can all just come to the awareness that it, it does happen to all of us, I think that, that there's safety in numbers, right? It's like, it's like, oh, I'm not a loser. I'm not, I'm not this rare de- you know, reject in the human race. <laughs> yeah. And when you, when you stop feeling defective or deformed and instead you feel like you're just like everybody else and you're, you're going through this experience of life, um, learning as you go, making mistakes, that really makes an impact. And so getting products out there, doing live events, um, speaking, um, and again, doing this education piece through programs like yours uh, where I'm letting people know you're not alone. If you, if you are going through those moments where you wonder, do I have what it takes? Especially when you become successful, when you start earning money, when you start having people look up to you, when you start having people um, see you as a leader, then you feel like you really got to bury your insecurities because, oh my God, what if the shareholders know that I'm not flawless? What if, what, what if my employees know that I get you know, in the ruts of self-pity, like the pressure can, can build. So can I give you the cure to insecurity? Sure. Two very simple words, self-care. That when you are doing self-care work, I have a self-care list on my wall here. It's called the when life works list. Things like hydrating, exercise, meditation, journaling, consistent sleep, proper hydrating, hydrating, uh, no, hygiene, sorry, uh, staying organized and clean, uh, having at least one meal a day that's all vegetables, reviewing materials about business marketing, following up with my mentors, connecting with my wife, reviewing my goals, planning my day on paper, hanging out with my niece or nephew, creating new content. I mean, when I do at least four of those things in a day, just four of those 16 items the day runs smoothly yeah. because, because I took care of me. I put the oxygen mask on myself first. Insecurity breeds 
in a body and a life that's not been cared for. If you think about when you've been most insecure, you probably weren't getting enough sleep, so you were, your brain <laughs> chemistry was off. Right. You probably eaten like garbage because you were traveling. You were probably maybe um, not spending enough time with your spouse or children, letting them know how much you love them because you were you were focused on, oh, man, I, I need to do more to give them what they need, and I need to have more money so that they, uh, they can do what they aspire to do. Well, but kids and spouses, they, they disconnect from us when we forget that loving them and making them feel heard and spending time with them is the most important. They feel disconnected the moment we place something above them. Sure. I, see this with, I see this a lot with men, especially entrepreneurial dads. They'll bust their ass because they think, I need to make a ton of money so my kids can go to the right school, so that my spouse can have the right shoes, so when she goes to the party, she looks good, she feels good. I need to make sure that we have the right kind of money so that we can pay for this nice home and this nice neighborhood. And, they, and they're all about making sure they have all the external factors. Meanwhile, their kid comes into the office and gets turned down for dad time. Meanwhile, the spouse gets put on the back burner to another client, another meeting. And the years go by, and these people who you're trying to do all that for have slipped away from you. And they either end up in a divorce with you, or they stop talking to you, or they're like, you know what, that's just dad. He's just cold-hearted. All he cares about is money. And meanwhile, you started it all because you thought you were taking care of them. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand what you're saying. It's in, yeah, I know that's one of the things I've tried to do is really make that a priority, you know, every day and stuff. And I think, you know, that's, as you said, that it's that time piece and, and that connection piece that's, you know, most important. And remembering, um, your, remembering your priorities, your kid, no matter what age they are, would rather go on a walk with you. And that's why I love your Snapchat is you show up <laughs> what you do with your kids. Um, they would rather go on a walk with you and tell you about what happened at school, even though they might not offer it up at first, uh, <laughs> tell, you about, tell you about what happened at school than for you to buy them something. You know, they might temporarily be excited about the new video game system you got them or whatever, but in the end, when they look back on their life, if they didn't get to know dad or mom, they didn't get to know who you are, were there's this feeling of like wow all they cared about was business they didn't care about me yeah no it's and you know i think as the we have a lot of entrepreneurial viewers and everything else i mean i know it's probably hitting home with a lot of people out there and you know i think that's you know if you have kids or a spouse and i mean that's where you need to start what was uh, some of the key concepts that you found, you know, as, as you were building your business at a young age, that's helped develop what you're doing today. You know, I think that uh, the, the, most of the, the lessons came in my next venture, which was at 19, I gave up DJing on the radio to sell kitchen knives. Okay. Right. I actually, a buddy of mine sold Cutco cutlery <laughs> and, uh, he made a good, you know, put himself through college, no student loans. And I was, I got interested. I decided to give it a try. 
And the first, yeah, I really wasn't that ambitious. I didn't know that I would, I didn't think I would do well. I just wanted to make a little more money than the other jobs were paying me. Right. Um, and uh, I, my first 10 days, I made $3,000 in commissions, you know, at 19. I mean, it was just it was a ton of money for me. And sure, yeah. uh, And then it just grew from there. And, 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 and I went on to be, uh, break a bunch of records and went, be one of the top reps. And people would ask me like, what's your secret to success? And I really believe that the two greatest lessons that I took from that, that I, that anybody listening can learn from and that I leverage to this day, the two things I had that allowed me to break those records, it wasn't sales experience. I was new. I never sold anything in my life. I had never read a sales book in my life. (laughs) I had the two things that we all have access to enthusiasm and work ethic. I worked my butt off. I did 62 appointments in 10 days and those are 90 minute appointments. So we're talking, I worked 90 hours, nine hours a day plus drive time for those sure. 10 days. Um, and, and I was just, I was just super excited. I was just like this all the time. Like these knives are amazing. <laughs> Miss Jones, they'll cut your food. In the dinner. And at the end of it, I talk so fast. I don't even think they know what I said. Sure, I'll like, take oh, it. <laughs> the knives feel good. And this kid's excited. I'm excited. Let's get, this is fun. Let's do it. Right. Yeah. That's, we overlook that sometimes when we're thinking about influencing people or, you know, being successful is just how important authenticity. And that's the other piece of the other side of enthusiasm. It was the authenticity and enthusiasm. I wasn't trying to you know, fake it. I wasn't trying to get one over on the customer. I was like, Hey, how much do you cook? And if it was a good fit, I got really excited about the value that that product could add to their lives. And, you know, to this day, that's a big key, I think, to everything else that I do. For sure. No, and and that is, and I mean, that's one of the things I think that I connect with you is just that enthusiasm that you put out. I think it's just on a daily basis. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I think think cultivating it, you know, uh, a part of it's natural for sure, but part of it is cultivating it by, you know, the more you talk enthusiastically about something, the more you program your mind, body, and soul to feel that enthusiasm and it becomes very genuine. What's um, one or two action steps you'd want to leave our listeners with just they can go out and start doing today that will help transform somewhere they are in their life? Yeah, I mean, so it's, you know, for, for me, obviously, I'm, I'm biased in that the Miracle Morning is is become the one thing that it not only changed my life, but I've seen it change more lives than I ever really imagined that it would or could. Um, so I always tell people, like, don't wait till you've read the book to start doing the Miracle Morning. Don't wait till you've mastered all the practices sure. or whatever. <clears throat> Here's the real simple premise of the Miracle Morning. There's two parts to it. Number one is to wake up when you want to, not when you have to. And you might go, well, I want to wake up at the last possible minute. No, 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 no. The point is that if you hit the snooze button in the morning and you wait till the last minute to wake up, you're literally starting your day with procrastination, right? You're hitting the snooze button, you're procrastinating, and there's a message, whether it's conscious or unconscious, to your subconscious that says, I don't have the discipline to get out of bed in the morning when I intended to, let alone do everything else that I want. But sure. the opposite effect is even more powerful, which is you go, oh, man, I, you know, I want to stay in bed, but I'm going to move the alarm clock across the room, which is the, the biggest trick, by the way. Don't keep by your bedside because if you can reach it while you're half asleep, you're going to snooze every time. Yeah. If you got to walk out of bed and it's on the bathroom counter where you're going to brush your teeth and you commit to do that, it's a lot easier to get out of bed. So set your alarm clock back 30 minutes. Do that for 30 days and spend those 30 minutes doing some form of personal development. I recommend reading and exercise if you had to simplify, like 15 minutes reading, 15 minutes of exercise to start every day. That way you're stimulating yourself physically, getting blood and oxygen to your brain. You'll think clearer, have more willpower, more discipline, more energy, and you're stimulating your intellect so that you can apply strategies to improve your life and business while you're in a peak physical, mental, and emotional state. I am Josh Felber. 
You are watching Making Bank. Get out and be extraordinary. Thank you for listening to Making Bank. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. And sharing is caring. Follow Josh Felber on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more. You can also listen to Making Bank on Amazon Alexa, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and watch on Apple TV, Success Thinkers Network, Amazon Fire, and YouTube. 